98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. Then I'll begin. Begin. Okay. Here we go. Arizona sports goes local. Local. That is awesome. We're giving the mic to local hosts right here in Phoenix. Whoa, snap. Yeah. Because what's a Saturday without sports? Nothing matters but the weekend. Ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Arizona Sports Saturday. Happy Saturday to all of you out there listening. It is Arizona Sports Saturday here on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station, live from the Auction Community Studios. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister. Trevor Henry behind the glass. And if I can, Steve, I would like to start with a complaint. You always do. Well, this one's a little bit different. One way or another. This one is something you'll understand. This might be something that Trevor actually understands right now. So, to keep it as short as I can, there is a step stool of sorts in the control room. It's a milk crate. It literally is a milk crate. The reason that this milk crate exists in the control room is for people like myself who don't have long legs. Short people. Short people. Got short it. kings, however you want to phrase it. Mm, okay. So we have something for our feet to rest on when we are in these high-rising office chairs, right? Like the chairs that we're in now. The chair is high. You are not short. Got it. So I'm sitting in the chair, and I stretch out my legs to rest my feet on this milk crate, and my feet fall into the air. And I look down, and there's no milk crate. That's because nobody has gotten milk from a crate in decades. That's not the point. Decades, Mitch. There's no milk crate in the blue control room. It's gone missing. And I am very upset about it. What do you want me to do about it? I I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to hear my complaint. All right. Yeah, just a little bit. Thank you. What am I, HR? I feel like you should be going to HR with Look, let me put it this way. Where is my milk crate? Between the three of us, I understand I am the shortest... Or among the three of us, between us two people. Among the three of us, I understand I am the shortest person here, but I deserve rights too, damn it. <laughs> I deserve my foot rest while I'm working and sitting for four hours. Is that too much to ask? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You want to talk about Kevin Durant? Your complaint has been heard. Good. You know what I saw yesterday? Uh, speaking of Kevin Durant, I saw that the executives for all the NBA teams are starting to arrive in the Summer League. Mm-hmm. I saw a video of James Jones. You've heard of James Jones. Who? Uh, he was having a lengthy conversation with LeBron James. Of course, they're really good friends. Yes. Uh, James rode LeBron's coattails to several NBA Thankfully, titles. we're past the tampering period, so we don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Which yeah, of is course. Nice. But I think the bigger part here is that executives like Sean Marks of the Brooklyn Nets, are he's now in Vegas as well, so mm-hmm. as more and more executives make their way to the Summer League, you're going to have more face-to-face opportunities to possibly cut deals. I tell you what, may I start with a cut from Adrian Wojnarowski from yesterday? You may. Where he emphasizes that exact point. Brooklyn Nets GM Sean Marks you know, has arrived in Vegas for Summer League, and so have essentially all the other executives in the league, and it gives teams a chance to talk in person. You know, I think have a different kind of conversation than you can have on the phone. I think especially when you're trying to put together something more complicated, three or four team deals. So it's easier to talk out these extensive deals in person, and based off a lot of the reporting that we've heard over the past couple of weeks, this might require a couple more teams to get Kevin Durant to Phoenix. I'm going to make an analogy that seems pretty trivial and... Uh, minor compared to 
<laughs> the Kevin Durant trade, but picture your fantasy baseball league or your fantasy football league, and you keep texting a guy, hey, I, I sent you a trade. Hey, mm-hmm. I sent you a trade. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you see that I sent you a trade? And they never get back to you, right? Those and jerk then, bags. But then when you run into them in the hall at work or you know, maybe you're still in school or whatever the case may be, you go over to their house or something and you're like, hey, can we get this thing done or what? Yeah. I mean, I know it's such a it's such a smaller level. I'm not. But it's relatable to us because to that's, that's the closest that we're ever going to get to be making a trade. Right. And of this magnitude. It's so much easier to, you know, finally put the, the last nail in the coffin, so to speak. In person. I mean, think about the way the NFL works, too, is we start to see stuff get worked out at the Combine. That's the big event in the NFL. It's kind of like Summer League in a way, I guess. And it's not like there's not an NBA Combine, but in the NFL, everybody in the sport goes to the NFL Combine for one reason or another, and not all of them are there to look at the prospects. No. Most people are, but I mean, know, half of those of the executives, job- uh, they just want to meet in a suite with another executive and get a deal done. Yeah, half the job is watching the talent that you've collected that's probably not going to be making the big league roster. Some of them will, but not all of them. And then the other half of it is just, you know, talk and shop with the other GMs around the league, and especially... If you have a disgruntled superstar, you're probably going to be talking to a lot of GMs, like Sean Marks. Now, so here's what we know. Really, nothing. We don't know anything. We, we, know, <laughs> that update. Ke- we know that Kevin Durant has requested a trade going back to just before the start of free agency. So, so like what, the end it's of been June. Like two weeks? It's been about two weeks Almost. since we've known this. There is no progression, per se, so at this point, we start to wonder, how long is something like this going to take? I have two separate cuts. First one is from Bobby Marks. I know him. Who speaks on how long a KD trade could take time-wise. And he brought a very interesting name to the table. I'm looking back from the Carmelis Anthony situation in 2010, where that basically went started in September and ended in February. That took six months to basically to get it done, and it cost New York gutting their roster. I think that's the concern as far as gutting your roster for Kevin Durant. Okay, before I get to the second cut, let's react to that real quickly. Yeah. So the name he said was Carmelo Anthony, which disgruntled star with the Denver Nuggets at the time. The trade did not materialize in the offseason. It eventually took halfway through the regular season. By the trade deadline, he was traded, became a New York Nick. And the other point that he made, Bobby Marks did, is that essentially the Knicks had to gut their roster in order to get Anthony. Right. Which we've heard the Suns don't want to do. Right. They may have to do that if they want to rant that badly, but we know they don't want to do that. But is this really something that's going to take six months? Uh, I've been thinking about that, actually, because here's the thing. If the market is not out there for Durant right now, by all accounts, uh, nobody is jumping at the opportunity to give up two all-star players and a bunch of picks for Kevin Durant. So no. let's let's just say the market is not what the Nets expected that it could be. It didn't it didn't uh, formulate quickly. Let's say. Mm-hmm. So if the market isn't there to do a Durant deal, the thing is the Nets don't have to do a deal. They have time on their side, whereas the Suns do not. And we can get more into that with the Aiton situation here in a few minutes, but. Essentially, two things can happen with the market not being what they wanted. Number one, they could lower their price for Kevin Durant and, right. and settle. I don't think they want to do that, especially when you have four years left on his contract. Nets are not going to move from their stance anytime soon. So if it's not that, the other option then is to wait. Now, the question that you're asking is, 
could it wait all the way until the deadline, which I think is in February, right? Uh, in theory, it could. So th- here's the Suns side of that equation. Let's say that the Nets do hold on to Durant and that they're still working on a on a Suns trade deal. But the Aiton situation is not going to wait because he's going to try to sign an offer sheet here soon. He might sign it today. He could. And that's going to that's gonna muddy the waters, very much, to say the least. Very much. So the question that you're asking then is, could the Suns bring back Aiton, because we don't want to lose him for nothing, mm-hmm. bring him back, run it back with the majority of your team still intact? I know they've made a couple small additions here and there, but you bring most of your guys back. You're still the reigning regular season champs, I guess, for whatever that's Which worth. is as much of a title as the Suns have won in history. And you run it back and you play through February, because you got to hold on to the guy if you sign him for yes. several months. yes. So you hold on to those guys, you play as well as you can until February. What if you formulate a deal with Brooklyn at that time? Because then Aiton will be tradable again. Not saying the Nets are going to magically want Aiton all of a sudden in February, but I, I don't know. Could could they be in a different situation six months from now where Kevin Durant is fed up? Uh, could they be in a situation where Kyrie Irving is leaving? Yeah, the pressure is not as high now as it will be, say, when the season's halfway through. I think... Right now, this is just very much a, okay, Kevin Durant has made it clear he wants out, but the Nets don't really have to do anything about it. They don't have to. They've got a great roster heading into next year. They've got Kyrie, they've got Kevin Durant, and they've got Ben Simmons leading a front, and they re-signed a lot of their key role players. They're going to get Joe Harris back fully healthy. He is a lights-out shooter from three, and they really missed him last year. Like, if you're the Nets... You're incredibly hesitant to just say, oh, yeah, let's give away our best player because he doesn't want to be here anymore. You know what? Truthfully, I think you could say the same thing about the Suns. If they bring Aiton back, this is the thing that's gone completely under the radar, is Mm -hmm. if they bring Aiton back and all is well and everyone's a big old happy family and they they work on the the chemistry that they had already built from last year, which was very important to the success of that team, Mm -hmm. they're still pretty darn good. Yeah. It's not like if the Suns I mean, they won the regular season. Right. It's not like if they don't get Durant, they're a bad team, and if they do, they're a good team. No, like, it's just gonna this be can a still letdown. work out in a couple different ways. So, I, I know it'll be a letdown to most fans if they don't get Durant. Anyway, you had another cut. You There's another there. cut, yes. This is Woj. Now, this is a situation that's not entirely similar, but maybe it can give us a better basis of what a timeline can be. Listen who Woj drops in this. I remember being here three years ago with the Spurs and Raptors, R.C. Buford, Masai Ujiri. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was going into the last year of his deal. It was very different. But they, Masai Ujiri did a job of sort of waiting out the rest of the market on Kawhi Leonard. He was That was the best offer they had in San Antonio. They finally had a move on it. The Nets aren't in the same situation. This isn't a player who's headed in on an expiring contract and who the Spurs felt may not even show up to training camp if we start the season. So here are the big differences. Kawhi was on the final year of his deal. Kawhi was already a huge question mark as to whether or not he would show up. And at the time, there were plenty of teams bidding for Kawhi, but Toronto was a team that held strong all the way through. That, we figured it out on the Burns and Gamble show yesterday, that whole he wants out and then the exact trade when it happened took about a month. But Kawhi also made it clear he wanted out well before the draft and well before free agency. So the timeline as to where it starts is a little different than Kevin Durant, but maybe this one's a little bit more comparable as far as this could be done in two more weeks as opposed to four more months. It's the difference between having a superstar on a one-year deal and having them on a four-year deal. 
because, like we talked about with Durant, you don't have to move the guy. You, I, maybe they'd like to move the guy. Maybe they'd like to get the return that they're looking for. But they don't have to. As opposed to, we just talked about Kawhi Leonard. I'll throw another one out there. I think he was in the last year of his deal, was Anthony Davis. He was approaching the end of a deal in New Orleans, and they had, it was crunch time. I mean, I, this happened in June. It wasn't at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But, but they had a decision they had to make based on, okay, are we really going to let this play out? for his last season and potentially lose him for nothing? Or are we going to make the move that we know we have on the table? And the Nets aren't in that situation where they have to be pressured into taking less. They don't have to settle for anything right now. They have years to figure out a Durant trade if they really want to. Right. You just run the risk of angering your star player. Kevin Durant doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who gets angry per se, but he does get dissatisfied rather quickly. You also run the risk of hurting what value you have in Durant. Say he goes out there and he gets injured again. Well, that's always, and he still that's wants always to get, a risk. Yeah. He still wants to get traded, but now you probably have to sell him for less because he won't play for the rest of the year. He's you, already had significant Achilles injuries. I think he's had knee injuries before. A lot of leg injuries. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's brittle or anything. I'm no. not saying that at all. He's, he's a top 10 player in the world right now. But it's just a lot of things for Brooklyn to consider. Yeah, for sure. Coming up next, if you are still unsure about Kyle Murray as Cardinals QB, and I know most of you are definitely sure about him, well, we've got a ringing endorsement that you'll want to hear next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you. Somebody get Mitch a milk crate. For crying out loud. I need it. My feet are dying over here. Is he keeps, still complaining about he's that? He's still complaining. Okay. He's always complaining. He my needs, feet have no rest. It's, I need a milk crate for my feet. I need a massage. It's all these things. I Mitch. did not ask for a massage. It doesn't make any sense. Um, something that I think might surprise some of our listeners. We heard this clip this morning. It's a ringing endorsement of Kyler Murray, who, by the way, still doesn't have a contract extension. I'm not complaining, like Mitch. We're just pointing. We're just pointing things just out. Pointing that are it factual. out. Just pointing it out. He is currently set to play for about five million dollars this year. Uh, he doesn't want to do that. You and I both expect that he's going to get paid here in the next couple of weeks uh, before training camp, but he still remains unsigned. Yep. The question arises in an interview with Larry Fitzgerald. Ever heard of him? Who? Uh, and Larry had a ringing endorsement of his former quarterback. There's nobody in the game that is as talented, has as a, a diverse array of, of abilities in terms of his athleticism and his ability to throw the ball, going left or right. Um, you know, he's, he's immensely talented. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, everybody in around, around the league has to prepare differently for. And, you know, you, you bring in Hollywood. Zach Ertz is now coming into his second year, better acclimated with the system. Um, James Conner is fully healthy going back into the year. And I really like where they are uh, in position. And, uh, you know, obviously the schedule is really tough early on in the season. They're going to be without hop, but I, I know I know Kyler has the ability and the fortitude to be able to lift this team up. If you weren't already bought in, is that good enough for you? <laughs> I mean, I didn't need Larry Fitzgerald to tell me that Kyler Murray was good. But here, here's the first sentence is really the, is the money part to me. There's nobody in the game that is as talented, that has as, uh, a diverse array of, of abilities. Yeah, there's nobody as talented as Kyler Murray. That's how I heard that. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? In principle, is is there no one in the NFL as talented as Kyler Murray? Do we want to get 
very philosophical with it and ask, how do you define talented? Uh, Because if we're looking at it from the perspective of Kyler Murray is the type of guy who can throw 50 plus yards downfield and run 50 plus yards downfield, that's pretty special. But if you're looking at it from a perspective of, is he talented from the position of a quarterback is concerned? I don't know. The position of quarterback is primarily asked to throw the ball downfield most of the time. That that's a generally that's a general way of describing a quarterback. They do so much more, but a big part of it is throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, here's my first evaluation of that. Um, there's this guy in Los Angeles named Aaron Donald. Who? He's pretty. He's pretty talented. This is the third too. time I've had to ask you who a guy is. Today he's too. pretty talented. Um, but that's that's apples and oranges, right? I mean, you're comparing a quarterback and a defensive lineman. There's there's barely two positions that are. Uh, as dissimilar as those Mm -hmm. it's like uh comparing all-time great point guards with all-time great centers it's like i i I don't know they're they don't they don't accrue the same statistics in games um so let's set that aside and let's just talk about the quarterback position specifically because that is where the most talented uh players play in terms of they have to do a lot more they make the most money that's a fair thing to say they make the most money on their teams that too here's the thing I think Larry is right. I think Kyler Murray is the most talented player in the league. Is there anybody else that can perform at the level that he does uh, at well, his position? Well, here's the, here's the other thing about it, for me at least. Talent does not always mean the best. I think in any league, I mean, I, I would say the Lakers and the Nets in the NBA have some of the most talent in the entire league. If LeBron James. Neither of them Kevin are Durant. good. No. Team-wise, they're not good. Uh, I heard Colin Cowherd make this point, so I'm not going to steal it from him. I'm going to attribute it to him. But uh, Kentucky always has the most talent in college basketball. How many championships have they won in the last decade and a half? I don't have enough I think fingers. it's like, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, they don't win them all. They don't. The Golden State Warriors, were they the most talented team in the NBA this season? No, I don't think so. The Yankees, the Dodgers, they always have the most talent. When was the last time the Yankees won the World Series? 2000. 2009. Nine. That was close. The Dodgers, how many championships have they won in the last 10 years? The one. One. And it only took them like 80 games. So just because you're the most talented doesn't necessarily mean you're the best. I would still say that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best. I'd say Patrick Mahomes is one of the best. I'd say Justin Herbert's one of the best. I'd say there's a lot of best guys in that category. So this is but our Kyler first- Murray is so good at so many different things. And I don't think there's a player like him in the league. So this is our philosophical discussion on what talent means then. Or what talented means then. doesn't mean you're the best, but it just means you're really good at what you do. Well, and it doesn't mean that he's without fault either. Oh no, he's got plenty of faults. Well, I'm not trying to like stick it to the guy. This isn't supposed to be a bashing fest, but this is supposed to point out what the difference between talented and being the best is. Are there quarterbacks in the league that are better leaders than than Kyler is? Right. Yes. Yes. Are there guys who have better on-field demeanor than Kyler? Yes. Yes. Are there guys, I'm just being honest, are there guys with more ideal height and size for the quarterback position? Out of his control, but yes. Yes. And so, for those reasons, yeah, I mean, like, there are always going to be guys you can make a case are better than him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he was the best quarterback in the league last year. He certainly didn't look like it in the end of the season either, or in the one playoff game that they had. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do think that I think Fitz could be right here. I think that he is probably the most talented. I'll tell you this, too. And I've told you this before, Mitch. 
I've been watching Kyler for over a decade. He played at the same high school that I went to when uh, when we were in high school. He was a little bit after me. I watched a lot of his high school games, and it was like watching an NFL quarterback against a bunch of sixth graders. And he never lost. Never once lost a game. He was single-handedly the best athlete I've ever seen, the best high school football player ever. And I don't think there's an argument for anybody else. I really don't. Then he goes to college, and I know there was the Texas A&M thing. Kevin Sumlin screwed up, and he played Kyle Allen over Kyler Murray, which was a really he bad He still decision. recruited him, which is somewhat of a success. Kyler goes to Oklahoma, Baker goes to the NFL, and Kyler wins the Heisman. In the only season where he was a starting quarterback, he was the best in college football. And even before that, he was going to be a pretty darn good baseball player, too. Goes number one overall in the draft. I'm not saying he's been the best quarterback in the league the last three years that he's been here. But I think he's probably the most talented quarterback in the league. I agree with Larry Fitzgerald on this one. Are there any comps or anybody that we can compare him to in that sentiment, in that statement? Because I would think the closest would be Lamar Jackson, but he's not nearly the level of passer that Kyler Murray is. Well, and here's the thing, too, is Lamar has won an MVP. Yep. He might have a, like, if you talk about accolades and statistics, Lamar might have a better argument at being the better quarterback between the two of them. By the way, he has, he's he's not get paid, been paid yet either. Yeah, so I don't know, man. You're you're probably right. Those are probably the two that are the most well-rounded quarterbacks in the entire league. Can do anything that you want them to do. It just doesn't mean they're perfect, and it doesn't mean they're the best. There was another part of what Larry said about how you have to plan for him a certain way, and you have to account for him a certain way. And it made me think back to something that Keyshawn Johnson said. In one of his recent Keys Real Rankings, he calls it, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He's ranking the top five scariest quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, interpret that however you want. But how Keyshawn interpreted that was that Kyler Murray is the fifth scariest. Kyler Murray sitting at number five. And you say, well, how could that be? Look, he is keeping defensive coordinators up at night because you got to know how to defend him. If you allow him to get slightly outside the pocket, the Buffalo Bills a year ago figured that out. They allowed him to slip outside the pocket, and that's when it became the Kyler Murray Hail Mary. So, look, in the end, he can do a lot of different things with his feet. He can throw on the run, all of those sort of things. And I know you point to health, but we're not talking about health. We're talking about keeping defensive coordinators up at night. He's at number five. Any argument? I think I heard him say Kyler Mary in there one time, but I think he was trying to get cute with the Hail Mary. We'll we'll let that go, though. Yeah. Um, No, listen, he is one of the scariest because you don't know how he's going to beat you. The way I interpret scary is when you're out there on the field, you don't know what's coming. You don't. And I think we could say that about Kyler Murray. There are some guys in the league, most of them savvy veterans, who can beat you just with their arm alone. Like Tom Brady, you you pretty much know he's not running on you, right? Mm -hmm. You pretty much know he's not scrambling. He's probably not even getting out of the pocket. But he'll beat you through the air. But you don't necessarily know where the ball's going. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though you know he's going to be stationary, you don't necessarily know where that ball's going. So for those reasons, yeah, I, I could agree with Key on that. I think he is one of the most dangerous, and I agree with Larry. I think he's probably the most talented quarterback in the league. Doesn't mean he's the best. Doesn't mean they're going to be the best team. That's just the distinction that needs to be understood. Coming up next, the Diamondbacks are now heading into the second half of the season. Where do they stand right now as we head into the All-Star break next week? And who is their all-star? That's coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 
98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Halfway through, or almost halfway through, this edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. We've got Diamondbacks baseball coming up at 12.30, so Steve and I are off a little early today, but that's fine. You know what's weird? I was reading through the All-Star Game starters. Okay. I don't see the Diamondbacks on here. What? I know. Well, at, You mean they that. didn't make it into the phase two of the scratch, voting? Scratch that. I see a couple of Diamondbacks on here. Uh, oh, yeah? One Ooh. from 2017. Oh. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Another one from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Jazz Chisholm. All right. All right. So we are talking Diamondbacks here, but instead of getting, you know, negative Nancy about it. Oh, sorry. Let's start with the positive aspect from it, and then we'll get negative. The positive aspect being that there will be at least one Diamondback at this All-Star game in Los Angeles a couple weeks from now. Yeah, because that's a rule. But here's what we're going to debate, you and I, Steve. Who should represent the Diamondbacks? And then we'll turn it around and say, who will represent the Diamondbacks? Oh, okay. Do you want to start with should or Uh, will? Well, my answer is the same to both. Okay, go ahead. Who should and who will is Joe Mantiply. And if you're a general baseball fan at home listening or you're in your car right now and you don't really know the, the D-backs roster all that well, you're probably like, who is that? Joe Mantiply? I've never heard of that guy before. It's a fun name, but I've never heard of the guy. I'm here to tell you, Joe Mantiply is by far the best player on the Diamondbacks this season. I'm not talking about, like, war or who's contributing the most. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he's not even the closer. He's I, I wouldn't even say they've been using him at end-of-game situations. Joe Mantiply is a left-handed pitcher. I think he's, like, 30 or 31 he years old. 31 years old. 31 years old. He's been kind of tossed around a little bit in the league. He's He's sort of a veteran, but they've got control over him for the next few years. Never really caught on. He's a left-handed relief pitcher, which is always something valuable. Mm -hmm. He has been phenomenal in his opportunities this season. 34 appearances, a 191 ERA. He has a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 34 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, he has one walk. And his ERA plus, which if you are not sure what that is, scales it. To the ballpark, the ballpark being exactly in, yeah. the same. 100 is average. Joe Mantiply's ERA plus is 216. It's 116 better than the average relief pitcher. I mean, come on. Listen, I, I, I would completely understand if Cattell Marte somehow gets put on the all-star team because he is the best player on the team, position player. Yep. I would understand if somehow Zach Gallen made it on the team. I get all that. Those guys probably are more deserving over what they've accomplished in their career. But Joe Mantiply, if we're talking 2022, and remember, these all-star teams, they get They are decided, very much year to year. You don't make the all-star team based on what you've done in the last year. You make the all-star team on what you've done in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And Joe Mantiply has far exceeded expectations. He's the best relief pitcher they have on the team this year. He might be the best left-handed reliever in the game not named Josh Hader. And statistically speaking, he might have an argument for being better than Josh Hader. So Mantiply is your should and your will. I think he should be. That's who I would pick. I know it's not a sexy pick. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of fans would love to see Cattell Marte there. A lot of fans would love to see Zach Gallen there. Um, But 
I got to be honest with you, Joe Mantiply, no, no one's ever, probably most people have never heard of him around baseball. He has exceeded every expectation of him. I want to see him in the All-Star game. I think that they'll also put him in there. You're not the only one who wants to see him at the All-Star game. His uh, pitching coach, Brent Strom, mentioned last week that he's got a really good feel for speeds. Command is number one. He's fearless. Doesn't just default to the A pitch. Nothing would please him more to see him get selected, Brent Strom said. Now, we just talked about the stats. There was a streak that Joe Mantiply was going on before he allowed that first ever walk of 32 consecutive appearances without allowing one. Joe Mantiply has had a fantastic season. It's... I'm trying to think of the best comparable relief pitcher type season. And I think the closest I can get is either... Devin Williams or Pat Neshek. And Neshek was actually an all-star twice over. Yeah, you know what's funny is most relief pitchers in the all-star game are closers. Because they, right. they get the saves, they get the bigger contracts, they strike more guys out. They have the low ERAs, they et, cetera, pitch, et cetera. They pitch in high-leverage situations, uh, which often means more clutch situations. Yeah, I totally get that. It's not often that a middle reliever even makes an all-star team. There's only so many spots, and you're not going to waste them on guys who are stuck in the middle of a bullpen. But when it comes to the Diamondbacks, and if they're only allowed to have one guy, mm-hmm. that's the guy I'm picking. But then again, second base might be more thin than other positions. Maybe you go with Cattell Marte. Maybe they need another starter. Zach Gallen certainly holds his own. So like, those are the things to factor in, right? You're not just accounting for who is the one Diamondback going to be represented or who is the one representative Diamondback, you also have to consider who's going to be the at least one representative from all the other uh, 14 clubs in the National League. It's like a game of Tetris. So if Joe Mantiply goes as a reliever, then you're going to be counting out guys potentially, like David Bednar of the Pirates, Yeah, and the Pirates have to send at least somebody. You could be counting out Daniel Bard of the Rockies, who's had a very good season. You won't be counting out Josh Hader. I don't think you got to worry about that. You won't be counting out Edwin Diaz. I don't think you got to worry about that. But then guys like Taylor Rogers, the Padres has had a good year. Kenley Jansen is a regular vote at the All-Star game. There's a lot of different factors that go into deciding these spots. Absolutely. Looking at the seasons that Zach Gallen and Cattell Marte have had, because Gallen from the get-go seemed to be the obvious choice as an All-Star, and Cattell Marte is the one who's been it already... Gallon so far has a 3.62 ERA in 16 appearances. He has 84 strikeouts to 26 walks, and he has an ERA plus of 113, so just above average. Cattell Marte, who has missed some time this year with injury, so the power is a little bit low. Five homers, 26 RBI, a 2.68, 3.59, 4.26 slash that puts him in a 7.85 OPS and an OPS plus of 124. So. The two guys that would ultimately could represent the Diamondbacks are playing just above average right now. Whereas Joe Mantiply is exceeding every single expectation of a relief pitcher. Are there any other guys that would even get considered for the All-Star game? I was thinking On the about, Diamondbacks? Yeah, I was thinking about Christian Walker and the power surge that he's had this season. He's hitting home runs like crazy, but he's hitting like 200. I mean, the, hey, the sometimes batting average that's is, enough. The like, batting average is bad. Like Kyle Schwarber will likely go for the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber has like 28 home runs so far this year. Yeah, but he's he's hitting more than 200. Not, you see what I'm not saying, by though? much. Like Christian Walker is having a Joey Gallo type season mm. where he's hitting 200 and it's either a strikeout or a home run a lot of the time. 
So Walker has 21 homers, and I'm going to correct myself. Schwarber has actually 27. Walker has an OPS of 809. Schwarber has one of 861. Yeah. 861 is closer to that of Pete Alonso, who's got an 881 OPS and 22 home runs and will very much be invited to the All-Star game. And first base is pretty crowded in the National League. Mm-hmm. Goldie's going to go, and then I think the next best first baseman is Pete Alonso. Are you going to take a third? Freddie Freeman? I mean, the There's Dodgers... There's probably people over Walker. The Dodgers are, are pretty hurt right now, and Freddie Freeman is at least available. And hitting and he's 300 well and just won an MVP a couple years ago. Here's and, yeah. the real bummer. Because I think this could have been a sneaky Diamondbacks All-Star if he'd have played a lot better than what he is playing right now, especially at a position that is very, very weak on both sides of the league. Dalton Varsho, who could have easily just snuck into this thing as a catcher. Because catching in the National League right now is Wilson Contreras, who will be starting, and respectfully, everybody else. Right. Wilson Contreras is miles ahead of everybody else. And that includes legacy members like Yadier Molina, who's in his final year. Buster Posey's now retired. JT Realmuto, who was in the All-Star game last year, is having a very down year. And Omar Narvaez, who represented for the Brewers last year, is not on the Brewers, any- or he is on the Brewers, but he's not representing at that same level. So I think Varsho might have been a sneaky candidate yeah. because it's a position of weakness around the league. And you know, that would have been a fun guy to have in the game too because part of the All-Star game, especially for smaller market teams or teams that aren't doing very well like the Dimebacks, part of the fun is having a player in the game that the rest of the country doesn't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And they get the chance to see, uh, like, why did a catcher just steal a base? Yeah. Why did the catcher just get defensive replacement from catcher to left field? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're like learning all these things. It's it's part of the fun of watching the NBA Finals or the World Series as an outsider. Like if your team's not in it, you can still enjoy it by learning all these things about all these players you didn't realize. I mean, last year, I didn't know much about the, the Braves outfield. Hell, the Braves didn't know much about the no, Braves outfield. They changed they all it all new. right before the deadline. Right. So you're learning all these things about guys in the moment. Part of the All-Star Game fun is is that, for me, is learning new details about these players who are kind of stars in their own market. Like, take a Joe Mantiply. Nobody outside of Phoenix has heard of him. No. A lot of people here haven't heard of him. No. No offense to Joe, it's just this it's is his breakout year. Yeah. And so to see him in the game would be really cool, I think, because if he gets a chance to pitch in the All-Star Game, people start to realize, oh, they got something special over there in, in Arizona. Something really special. Something really special. That particular individual. I'm not saying the Diamondbacks are special. So you think Joe Mantiply should and will? I think he should, and I hope that he will. I still think, based on positional flexibility and and fame, I think Cattell Marte might have a better chance, but he's not having an all-star caliber year. He's getting on base pretty well. So he, as far as qualified second baseman... Because starting for the National League is Jazz Chisholm. Former Diamondback. Who just barely beat out, who was it? I believe it was Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals. But Jeff McNeil is having a great season for the Mets. Gavin Lux for the Dodgers. Brendan Rodgers has had a great power surge for the Rockies, and the Rockies have to send somebody. They have CJ Krohn too, but it might get crowded there. I think that their best shot might end up being Zach Gallen. Yeah. There's... There is some elite pitching in the National League, but 
But then the other guys who are usual regulars, like the Jacob deGroms, the Max Scherzers, they've been hurt most of the year. So there's no chance that they're going to go. It frees up an opportunity for the Diamondbacks to get their starter to go. So tell me if this is telling to you. Okay. About a week and a half ago, on June 30th, Bob Nightingale of USA Today uh, tweeted out the voting at that point on all-star starters. And I'm looking at second base in the National League. Number one was Ozzie Albies. Number two was Jazz Chisholm. But they're like... So close. I mean, it's like 10,000 votes. That's who he beat out was Albies. My apologies. Right. So Chisholm and Albies, I get that. Number three, Jeff McNeil. Number four, Gavin Lux. Number five, Nolan Gorman, who has barely played in the league. Mm -hmm. Number six, uh, Jake Cronenworth. Number seven, Tyro Estrada. Come on. Number eight, Gene Segura, former Diamondback. Number nine, Colton Wong. Number 10, Nick Madrigal. Tell me that Cattell Marte is not a top 10 second baseman in his own league. Of course he is. I'm not arguing that, but it will affect him this year. I'm just saying nobody voted for the guy. No. Now, th- he's nobody not going to get voted in on... for, Nobody voted for any Diamondbacks. Right. I'm saying it, it's not going to get him in, the fact that nobody voted for him. It's not going to keep him out because these things are going to get decided another way. I hope it's Mantiply. I think he deserves it. James Conner, he had a fantastic season last year for the Cardinals, right? But is he going to maintain that level of play? Some experts say he won't. We'll explain next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Varel, this with you on this fine Saturday. Can we call it an afternoon at 1147? I feel like that's afternoon, right? Why not? I think that I think that's afternoon, technically. Did Devin Booker call in from the bathtub for that commercial that we just aired? You can't guarantee that. Did you guys see that? The video of Devin Booker in the club? He was in the club, and he's laying in a bathtub. And the guy who filmed it was like, Dude, Devin Booker, what are you doing in the tub? I don't know. I just thought he was, that was probably funny. just drinking Cocoa 5. He's living his best life, man. He deserves it. Cover athlete of NBA 2K23. Just signed a huge extension. This is his team now. If you think about like, the last year and a half... Two, well, no, let's go back like at least two years with Devin Booker. You go 8-0 in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Chris Paul. Like Just Chris Paul wanting to play with you is a pretty big deal. Yep. Right? Uh, you sign this super max deal. You're on the cover of 2K. You go to the finals last year. You're the regular season champs, which carries some weight. You date Kendall Jenner. You're dating a Kardashian Jenner. And then uh, the breakup, and then you get back together. Um, and then now signs this massive deal. And oh, by the way, Kevin Durant wants to play with him. It's been a pretty impressive two years. Life's got to be good if you're Devin Booker. Gotta be really good. I gotta be honest with you. When I saw that he was gonna be on the cover of 2K, I was like, is he is he that level of guy? And, and and this is no disrespect. Devin Booker's the best basketball player we've had in Phoenix in a long time. But I was thinking to myself, Luca was on the cover last year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people view Luca as a bigger superstar than Devin Booker. Uh you've had guys like LeBron, Giannis. Who else has been on the cover in the last I mean, Kobe's been on the cover, obviously. I think Zion had a cover spot. Yeah, okay, well then, he's a bigger deal than Zion. I would always rank Devin ahead of of Zion. Easily. Easily. Yeah, anyway. Um, I'm curious, where would you rank James Conner? In in running back rankings. Yeah. Uh, Okay, here's... 
qualifier, are we talking fantasy football or are we talking real life football? Let's let's start as a fantasy conversation. I think he's probably top ten. Do you think he's a bust candidate though? In uh Well, I I think to me what bust means is not going to be as good as last year. So how about this? And I would say he's probably more likely to take a step back just because they've added a lot to their running back room. Let me give you the definition of bust as written by the, air quotes, fantasy staff on ESPN.com. Bust, a player who is highly regarded and will underperform his ADP in 2022. Average draft position. Yes. So they're saying that James Conner could be a guy that gets drafted relatively high, but maybe doesn't translate that during the regular season. Now we bring up James Conner because it's specifically written by several members of this staff. Running back busts for this upcoming fantasy season. Stefania Bell, James Conner, Matt Bowen, James Conner, Daniel Dopp, James Conner, Keith Lipscomb, James Conner, Field Yates, our guy Field Yates, James Conner. That's five of a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 person staff. Yeah, I think that, again, I'll go back to this. James Conner surprised a lot of people last year. He was he was good. I, I expected him to be good with the Cardinals. I did not expect him to score as many touchdowns as he did. How many did he have last year? Like 18? He had a lot. Something like that? Double digits. I think it was 18 touchdowns total. Don't remember off the top of my head. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect him to even become the lead primary back. I thought they were going to go James Conner and Chase Edmonds basically splitting the carries evenly. And the, In the beginning, they did that. He certainly performed well for a $1 million deal, I think it was. <laughs> right. A vet minimum deal. So I, I think if you're going to talk bust, to me it doesn't mean that James Conner is a bad player. It just means that because he had such a good season last year, a lot of fantasy players will overdraft him or draft him very high thinking, oh, he might do that again. And even if he takes a step back, I think he'll still be a really productive player in this offense. So if you call that a bust, yeah, I guess I guess so. Now, turning it into a on-the-field perspective, because the fantasy perspective is considering only a few things with running backs. They're considering yards rushed, yards received. Sometimes you can bring in the amount of pass catches if you're in a points-per-reception league, and then touchdowns. Right. Those are the big things that you consider when you consider a running back bust in a fantasy standpoint. And but, the very rare like kick return touchdown sure. or something. Because David Johnson, remember David Johnson? He used to be a kick returner. Yep. I think his first ever touchdown in the league was a kick return touchdown. Sounds about right. But then if you want to turn it into a regular season and a real world perspective, if they're projecting that he's going to be a bust, does that mean the amount of touchdowns is low? Does that mean the amount of rushing yards is low? Receptions? Receiving yards? Like, is this generalization of saying that James Conner is going to be a fantasy bust something to concern yourself with if you're a fan of the Cardinals? Are you worried that he's going to have a down year? I'm not worried that he'll have a down year. I suppose from a fantasy perspective, I could imagine a scenario where he scores less than 18 touchdowns. Where, okay. he, where he doesn't have the production he had last year. Remember, they were relying upon him heavily when Chase Edmonds missed some time. James Conner was already emerging as their primary back. They basically just leaned into that. They right. were like, they were like, fine. He just keeps he all he does is score. We're just going to keep giving him the football. So from that perspective, yeah, I, I think that because 
they added so much depth in the running back room. We talked about this. I feel better about the running back room now than I did a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you draft a guy in Ingram who I think can do some significant uh, carrying of the workload. Right. Daryl Williams was a thousand yard rusher with a really good Kansas City team. And they got him on a vet deal too. So those are three guys that I think could heavily contribute. Eno Benjamin, obviously we're a little bit biased because he's an ASU guy here locally, but I think Eno Benjamin in a fourth role is is a pretty good backup to have. And then Jonathan Ward, who I don't expect to get a lot of carries throughout the season, if any, um, will probably be a mostly special teams guy. But I feel really good about that running back room as opposed to last year when Chase Edmonds went down, you're like, all right, really all we have is James Conner and then Eno's the backup. You've got other options that you feel confident about leaning on. Yeah, so from that perspective, I expect James Conner's fantasy value to be lower this year than it was at the end of last season. That's fair. If that's a bust, fine. But I don't consider that a bust. Okay, how about the quarterback, though? Kyler? Joe Kaiser. Kyler Murray, quarterback bust. Keith Lipscomb, that guy again. Kyler Murray. Kyle Sopp, Kyler Murray. That's three out of the 12 that think that Kyler Murray is going to be a quarterback bust in fantasy. There's only two other names that are listed on this list. Mike Clay was the only one to say Joe Burrow. And then everybody else said Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the thing that makes it different for Kyler than a lot of those guys is that he has the mobility, right? I mean, you're not expecting mm-hmm. a lot of rushing yards or rushing touchdowns from a guy like Tom Brady or Joe Burrow sure, or no. Patrick Mahomes. Um, with Kyler Murray, there's somewhat of an expectation he's going to get in the end zone a little bit, right? On his own. Yeah. Whether it's, I don't know, I'm just making up a number, but somewhere between five and eight touchdowns on the ground makes sense to me, if not more. Um, so from that perspective, yeah, there's always the possibility that he runs a little bit less. I mean, how much did we talk about last year where they wanted to take a little bit of the workload off of his legs and a little bit more passing and, and relying more on the run game and, and a guy like James Conner so that he doesn't risk getting injured? Wasn't he dealing with like an ankle injury last year, was it? He's had a couple of bang-ups, uh, especially towards the end of the season. And so, yeah, I could imagine over the years you will see less and less value in Kyler's running ability, which will lessen his overall fantasy value. It doesn't make him a worse quarterback. So you think that a fantasy bust being Kyler Murray won't impact the regular season play of the Arizona Cardinals? I don't think so. Is it just that he's just going to have lesser stats? Unless he truly can't figure out this offense without DeAndre Hopkins in the first six weeks. I mean, that's a third of your season. That's a lot of games where you're not going to have your top target. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so if they struggle to get the offense moving, I mean, remember last year when DeAndre Hopkins goes out and the offense just completely stood still and they couldn't figure things out. Literally stood still. So if that's what the first six weeks of football looks like for the Cardinals, then yeah, that's that's going to be a hard hit to his numbers statistically. But uh, but no, I, I don't expect him to be a bust. I don't think either one of them will be a bust, but in terms of fantasy, I guess you could see a downtick just because of the deeper running back room, and Kyler might not run as much the older he gets. Coming up next, final 30 minutes of this Arizona Sports Saturday. Is Kevin Durant a member of the Suns yet? No, No, he's not. Well, how much longer could this take? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.